Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Jurassic Views, Ottawa's Raptors podcast, Bryce Diamond, on a Saturday morning before the storm. And I think this is a good analogy, to be honest, before the storm for the Toronto Raptors. Raptors last night played the Detroit Pistons after really throwing one away against the Indiana Canucks on Wednesday night, and here the Raptors are against Detroit, a very weak Detroit team in general, but a Detroit team without Bogdanovich, without Cade Cunningham. They might have had a few other guys that weren't available. I think Isaiah Stewart was also out of the lineup. So, you know, they've got three of their best players not playing last night. Now, I actually like this Pistons team long-term. I don't know about next year, but I think in 2025, this is a playoff team, which would be good because since Dwayne Casey has arrived in Detroit, they've never made the playoffs. In fact, they've never been close. And they've drafted. And they've got a number of good drafts. And on top of the players that they've drafted, they've actually been able to get a few guys who were, you know, young draft picks or or top draft picks, I should say, who are still under 25. Bagley III is there. James Wiseman is also in that group. Uh, But this is a team who has, you know, Magruder, who has Duran, Killian Hayes, Jay Nivey, uh, Livers, and, you know, you go down the list, you had Cade Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart. Um, th- this is a team who, who looks like they could be something in a couple years. Who knows? And, and, you know, when you watch Sacramento do what they've done this season, They've drafted a number of guys, and then, of course, they were able to, uh, through a trade, pick up a guy who complimented Darian Fox, you know, their top draft pick back in uh, 2018. They've built something there, and they've got to be excited about that. They've, they've broken a curse. They've broken the curse of not making the playoffs. They haven't been to the playoffs in 16 years, since 2007. And even that team wasn't great. But the Pistons have really struggled, let's be honest, since about 2008, 2009. They had a couple years with Blake Griffin. That really didn't work out. That was never going to go anywhere. 
and they've they've kind of built this young core that look okay. And maybe the Pistons can break the curse of not making the playoffs. Who knows? Maybe they can break the curse of not getting knocked out in the first round. I don't think they've been past the first round since 2008. Speaking of breaking curses, I think it's official, guys. I honestly think it is official. I I mentioned this briefly on the pod um, on Wednesday after that very disappointing loss to Indiana. I talked about the Raptors breaking the Dwayne Casey curse. The Raptors coming into this season were something like 3-11 against Dwayne Casey's Pistons. Lowly Pistons. And the only three wins we have uh, in that time when Dwayne Casey has left, uh, sorry, yeah, left Toronto and leading the Pistons, was the, the pandemic season. We actually were supposed to play them a fourth time that year, but they didn't make the bubble. They just weren't good enough. But we beat them, uh, yeah, we beat them uh, three times that season after losing to them at least three times, if not four times in the championship season, which is just hilarious. And this season, there have been a number of close games. There really has. Um, And it's just kind of hilarious how close they are. But we beat them in Detroit by four. I think we beat them again by four in Detroit when Delano Banton had his career night. We beat them by one in our building because they hit a late three. And here we are against the Pistons. And I thought, you know, I really thought knowing that Scotty, Gary, Precious had been out. And I didn't know what was wrong really with Gary and Precious. I knew what was wrong with Scotty. That was obvious from the last time he played. He had hurt his wrist against the Bucks. I thought maybe those guys will come back and Pascal and or Fred will sit out in this Pistons game. And I thought, why not? They don't have four of their guys. We could sit out one of our stars and, and you know, two of our top other six players and Scotty and Gary. And this is a good night to kind of rotate some guys. <clears throat> but then I thought, you know, Nick Nurse probably wants to break this curse once and for all and get the record against Dwayne Casey to 7-11. But that was not the case. Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet did play. So did Pascal. So did all the rest of the starters. Will Barton did start again, which I found interesting. And Will Barton actually started the game half decent. I think he was two for five from the field with two free throws. And he had seven points um, in the first, like, I think the first quarter. And that was a good sign. Pascal Siakam looked like he wanted to dominate this game. And after he had played... Uh, you know, so well in Detroit. He really carried our team. We had a chance to be up probably 15, 16 points mid-fourth quarter. And, of course, nobody else was really playing good basketball, and we were only up eight. 
Detroit came back and then Pascal had to close it down at the end with Gary Trent Jr. also making a big shot to kind of seal it to get up two possessions. But last night, Pascal looked like he wanted to knock the Pistons out in the first half. I think Nick Nurse wanted to play Pascal aggressively so that Pascal could get back in his rhythm, but also break the curse once and for all. And I think if you sweep a a season series against someone, I I think that's pretty much breaking a curse. Now, the only thing going against Pascal in this game, Pascal was very good offensively, Um, solid defensively, didn't have to do much this with an undermanned Pistons team. and, and, And let's be honest, not a very good Pistons team. But the only thing that, really stands out for me as a negative for Pascal last night was that he was six of 10 from the free throw line. And when you look at his career stats, he's a 77% free throw shooter on his career. You got to remember he's, he's, he struggled those first couple years, right? So 77%. And I think he was like, an 80%, like 79, 80% free throw shooter uh, in the championship year, in the bubble season. Remember, he was an all-NBA guy, was voted as a starter in the All-Star game in 2020. And then Tampa, he started slow, but got back going. This season, he's 76%. So like not far off his career numbers, but certainly, you know, three, four, five percent off what he's done in his best years. And in the last 10 games, he's shooting 70% from the line. Well, that's definitely below where you'd want him to be. He's also 74%, again, just a little bit less when he's at home. Really interesting. Anyways, I just, I just wanted to point that out because when I watch the games – I don't know what it is. When I don't watch him, he shoots about 80%. When I do watch him, he shoots about 60%. So maybe that means I, I need to, you know, not watch as many games or something. The curse of the fan. But Pascal was 6 of 10 last night. And outside of that, played a pretty impressive game. Uh, he was a plus 26 12 of 19 from the field, was 2 of 6 from downtown, but actually started the game 2 of 3, and then just went cold from downtown. Had 9 assists, a couple turnovers. That's, you know, that's going to happen with Pascal because of all the, you know, amount of possessions he's going to hold. And he had 5 rebounds. And this game really wasn't in question. Raptors locked it up pretty quickly and dealt with the curse and got the sweep and dealt with this game. This is exactly what I expected from them against the Pacers. Now, the Pistons are nowhere near where the Pacers are. Pistons are like bottom three teams in the league and arguably the worst team in the league. But they came out with energy. They came out with purpose. They came out with intention on both ends of the floor. And the score at the half was 72-52. Now, if they had come out against the Pacers the other night, and I hate to bring up the past, but I just got to do it. If they had just come out against the Pacers and they were up two or three points at the half, okay, and the shooting wasn't there, but their defense was, 
Then when you get into the second half, you know, with six minutes to go, you're up 10, 12 points instead of four. Like that's what we expected. And that's what was so disappointing that they didn't come out with that purpose, with that energy, with that togetherness, with that commitment. And Indiana was able to grow in confidence. Well, and the Pistons did this in Detroit as well. We didn't have any commitment and we gave them all the confidence in the fourth quarter of that game. And here the Raptors took that right away. And even in the third quarter, I think we led by like 27 points at one point in the game. Like this was a game on cruise control. We had put this game in the bank, RRSPs, like we're not touching this until the end. Kind of like this is out of reach from the Pistons. This is putting money for your child in education funds type game. It is that far away. There's no reaching at this game. It's gone. And that's what we wanted against the Pistons, uh, against the Pacers, sorry. So the curse is broken. The only other negative thing I want to point out, because in general, this was a good game. Okay. As I said, Will Barton had a decent start. Who knows what he'll be like when he gets to play against his old teammates, right? Uh, I can't remember if he played in those two Washington games or not. I, I think he did, and he wasn't great in them. But Chris Boucher was excellent, 13 rebounds, 19 points. Had to be the second best player on the Raptors last night. Fred Van Vliet was so-so, just kind of went through the motions, got the job done, obviously. Coloco got to play 20 minutes. Doughton Jr., good to see him play 29 minutes. Again, that defensive effort and and those defensive assignments, especially against a guy like Jaden Ivey last night, good to see him play. But here's the one stat, and it's another Siakam stat. It has, it's not on Pascal. It's on Nick Nurse. No one played 30 minutes last night. In fact, the guy who played the most minutes of all the players was Fred Van Vliet, except, except for Pascal Siakam. 38 minutes against the Pistons. With 6.44 in the game, there was a timeout. At that point, Pascal had played 35 minutes. We're up 22. Why is Pascal Siakam playing? Is he not going to play against Washington? Now, that actually might be interesting if he doesn't. Because they really have created their defensive schemes to deal with Pascal. And maybe, just maybe... Scotty will be healthy, Precious will be ready to go, and Gary will too. Gary and Precious get the start maybe in that game. You sit OG and Pascal. Now, I'm just putting it out there. I don't know if that will actually happen. But if you sat Pascal, if Will Barton's not in the starting lineup, then you could put, you could insert um, Gary Trent, and Precious, certainly if Scotty's not healthy. If Scotty's healthy, then Gary goes to the bench, fine. And maybe that helps Precious, right? 
Maybe that helps Precious. It messes up Washington's plans. I don't know. But up 22 after Pascal's already played 35 minutes. With all the minutes this guy has played, at one point in the season, playing the most minutes of any NBA player. Why are we playing? Why are we playing? Pascal Siakam. I don't understand that. We're up 22 against a lowly Pistons team. I don't understand (laughs) what we're doing. On the season, 64 games, the guy has played 37 and a half minutes. It's not necessary with the play-in coming, with harder teams like Washington, a chance to officially knock them out of the playoffs or and play in. Playing Miami, coming up. I, you know, it just boggles my mind. It really does. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me that, that, that you would do that. Pascal Siakam literally leads, he still leads the NBA in minutes played. And you're up 22 against the Pistons. Talk about shutting the guy down, locking him up. Put Pascal on the bench. If he wants to go in the dressing room and get an early shower, do that. If you want to put him on the bike just to like take all the lactic acid out of him. If you want to put some ice on him. But like he shouldn't be playing that many minutes. It's kind of ridiculous that he is. I mean, out of the top 20 players in the league, Pascal Siakam is number one. Fred Van Vliet is number five, and OG Ananobi is number 16. What the hell are we doing? (laughs) Really? Like, what are we doing? And what's crazy is Tom Thibodeau, who's known to, like, run his players into the ground. Nowhere is there a New York Nick in the top 20 for minutes played. There's two Celtics. There's a couple, there's a couple um, Chicago Bulls. Sorry, the New York Knicks do have a guy, Julius Randle. Julius Randle is 14 on the list. But like, even Brunson's not there. Now they have Emmanuel quickly. And I talked about maybe getting him at the, at the trade deadline. I really like him. Boys, he played good basketball. My gosh. But my point is, if the guys played the most minutes this season, why are you playing him three more minutes up 22? Like he wasn't near a triple-double. He wasn't near 40 points. It makes no sense. But here's Nick Nurse once again playing Pascal well past what he should play him. And I've, I've gone so far as to say Nick Nurse has been reckless. And I, I truly believe that. Playing a guy 38 minutes in a nothing game up 22, the game is sealed. It's locked up. 
And you've got Washington, who you can knock out. Miami, who, who's not going to be an easy win. You're trying to continue winning games against decent teams to build momentum into the plane. You're trying to host a playing game. It'd be nice if you were in the eighth seed. And maybe you go to Brooklyn, who is now in seventh, because Miami is the tiebreaker. It would be nice. But it doesn't happen. So maybe, maybe Nick Nurse knows something we don't. Maybe Pascal plays, uh, doesn't play in that Washington game. Maybe Precious and Scotty come back and they start and bump Will Barton out too. Maybe just Gary and Precious come back, right? Maybe Scotty's going to be still injured and you just rest Pascal. I don't know. But it, it, why even play him? Like, even if Pascal wasn't going to play in this Washington game, you don't even need to play him. Like, there's no, all you, like, the last thing you need is Pascal Siakam getting hurt in a nothing game up 22. So we're 36 and 38. And man, there, we talked about before the Pirtle trade games we've left on the table opportunities we just completely missed like juicy fastballs down the middle of the plate ready for us to put it over the fence and we whiffed on them like not even a foul ball we totally missed and we could have been better but we also threw away some games after the All-Star break. As I said, the Washington game, the Indiana game. What are the chances we could win six of the last eight games? If we do, we certainly put a lot of pressure on Atlanta. I don't think we're going to win eight in a row. But if we won eight in a row, could we catch Brooklyn? Like, I'm trying to have some imagination here. <laughs> but it's hard, right? It's hard to be in the position we are knowing that we have left so much on the table. Last night, Chicago won, and we have the tiebreaker against them, but they still, within the loss column, are tied with us. They beat Portland handily in, Detroit, in uh, Portland. Washington won. Pacers lost. So Washington and Indiana are three games back of us with eight games to go. I think it's safe to say both of those teams are out. But I, I want to point out one game here last night in, in the NBA, just to, to help us, okay? To help us have some perspective that all is not lost. This is not the worst possible season. In the Western Conference, outside of the play-in, because they lost last night, is the Dallas Mavericks. And they didn't lose to the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Clippers, or Suns. They didn't lose to the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, or even the Cavs. No, no, no. The Dallas Mavericks at home last night in a must win because they had lost their two previous games. Lose to the Charlotte 
Hornets, the 24 and 51 Charlotte Hornets. A Charlotte Hornets team that played Spee, Spee McKaylock. Spee played in this game. He started. There is no Terry Rozier. There is no LaMelo Ball. How do the Charlotte Hornets, without Rozier and LaMelo Ball, starting Spee, who scored 13 points, beat the Dallas Mavericks, who had in their starting lineup, this is just hilarious, guys, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. How do you lose that game? Like, that's that's mind-blowing. So as bad as it was to lose to the Pacers, Luka and Kyrie don't win at home against the Charlotte Hornets without LaMelo Ballinger. Like, that's as bad as it gets for a team that made the conference finals. This team, who doesn't have the tiebreaker against the Thunder, the OKC Thunder, are now 11th in the West. Can you imagine Mark Cuban? Can you imagine Jason Kidd, Luka Doncic, and Kyrie Irving if they didn't even make the play-in? What the hell? That would be amazing to me. Like, those are the storylines I just love in the NBA this season. It's just mind-boggling. Like, I get it when the Pacers go, you know, 5-5 and and are 33-41 and without Tyrese Halliburton. I get that the Wizards go 3-7 and and they're looking long-term. Kuzma, Porzingis, Beal, you know, they need to add a couple guys. They're not fully healthy. And they're like, yeah, let's just shut it down. We're not winning a playoff series with this team. We might win a play, play-in game, but we're not winning a playoff series. So let's just shut it down, get organized, save our bodies a little more, and put in the time and effort and focus for next season. But Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks with two of the top 25 players in the league? Holy cow. That is hilarious to me. So Raptors fans, it's it could get worse. It could be a lot worse. Um, but all that behind us, putting that aside, Raptors are in ninth with the tiebreaker against the Bulls, who have this pretty much the same record, one less loss. We are now pretty much guaranteed a playing game. And if we go six and two, I think that it's very possible with the Hawks playing pretty poor basketball that we'll play Brooklyn in in the first uh, play-in game. And if we win that, we're automatically seventh. We, we got to win six. That's not going to be easy. And it starts tomorrow against Washington. Hopefully we can lock that game up early. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate all your support. Keep chatting to us on Twitter. Send us texts if you got that. 
uh, or send us messages on IG. Mad love. Enjoy your Saturday. Peace. I think I don't, I don't do